0: Welcome to Full Rigor a Florida true crime podcast. I'm Karen Curtis. And I'm Lexi Bear. And today we have sent Jennifer Ross out with her little reel-to-reel recorder to go to Casey Anthony's house here in West Palm Beach and try to get a soundbite from her so we can do this story about... What happened to poor Kaylee and get it from the horse's mouth if she killed her own daughter? Which, of course, an Orlando jury found her not guilty. Wow, I'd really like to hear what she has
1: to say or even learn about her new movie, As I Was Told. Oh, yeah. I think she was told a lot from her father. Well, I remember in her trial, she claimed that Kaylee drowned in the pool and that her father told her to cover it up. So I'm assuming that's where it stems from.
0: We sent Jennifer because Jennifer's scary. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) And if anyone can get Casey Anthony to talk with Jennifer knocking on her door, we'll see what happens. For sure. But we'll bring it to you on our next Full Breaker if uh, we're successful or Jen's successful. But today I wanted to talk about... An interesting story that I covered back in 1993 so I'm gonna set the mood here with what was going on in that time so 1993 was right after the Rodney King the acquittal of the four officers the white officers that beat the crap out of him on video oh
1: yeah there were huge riots yes
0: awful and right before the OJ Simpson trial in 94 and I was working for Channel 25 as an anchor, and I was dating the, the chief photographer, Sean, who eventually became my daughter's father, and I married him.
1: Oh, wow. We were out on work a and Work and play. We <laughs> were
0: We were, yeah, don't play where you work. Okay, so we were out on a date, and he got beeped, pager back then, that there was a police shooting that a Palm Beach County Sheriff's deputy was shot and that they were bringing them in on Trauma Hawk to Delray Beach Medical Center. And let me go back to 1991, because it, I was the health reporter at Channel 25. And I covered our trauma network when it became a trauma network here in 1991. And they made Delray Beach Medical Center a trauma center. And they also made St. Mary's Medical Center a trauma center, which meant back then that you would have a trauma surgeon, emergency physician, and nurses on site 24-7. And there would be a place for the helicopter to land because there's something called the golden hour. If you can get a patient to the trauma center within that golden hour, you can save their life.
1: That's phenomenal. Yes.
0: So they also got the helicopter, which is the medevac unit. And I was working with another girl here that was in radio. And we picked out the name of the helicopter from 800 recommendations from elementary school kids from Palm Beach County. And one of the recommendations was, Bill, the big blue-lipped helicopter –
1: Blue lift.
0: <laughs> and a uh, life flight and eagle one. We ended up with trauma hawk because we liked the double entendre it, because it was trauma and it was a bird and it flies. So this officer was being brought in on trauma hawk to Delray Beach Medical Center because it was a trauma center. And so we headed to Delray Beach Medical Center. And Sean and I actually got exclusive video of the officer being brought in. And also, we got exclusive video of the body coming out because he died. And get this, at the same time, they brought the suspect who allegedly shot him at the time into the same hospital.
1: Because the
0: suspect, Nicholas Hardy, had taken the officer, Sergeant Rocky Hunt's gun, and then shot himself in the mouth with it and tried to commit suicide, but was unsuccessful. It was so nuts that night. I can't believe you covered it. That must have been insane. It was We had trauma coming in and out. We had the deputy's body going in and out. You had Nicholas Hardy going in and out with his face shot off. And it was incredibly insane.
1: That's insane. I mean, I will say it's hard to take him to two different hospitals when you have trauma victims at that level.
0: But can you imagine being the doctors? You're working on the one, the deputy, and then you're working on the guy that shot him.
1: I couldn't imagine. Who shot himself.
0: It was nuts. Well, they saved Nicholas Hardy's life, but they couldn't save Sergeant Hunt because he was shot twice in the forehead and so we're going to explain what happened but Hunt left behind a wife and two children. The wife died just this year. She was in her 60s so the two children are still alive and his death marked the most recent time a law enforcement officer was murdered in the line of duty in Palm Beach County but the last Palm Beach County based officer slain in the line of duty died a decade ago Wellington resident Chris Reka. He was a Broward County Sheriff's deputy and he was fatally shot five times on August 10th, 2007, outside a Pompano Beach pharmacy. Oh, wow. And they finally figured out who did it. It took a long time. There were about 3,200 tips and leads. And it led to a guy who was in another shootout with four other police officers in Miami-Dade County, killed one of them, and then they shot him 15 times. His name was Sean Labide. He was shot dead by the police in 2007 after he fired on four officers, killing one of them. So,
1: I mean, that's just insane. What gets me is how he was able to kill multiple cops in the same year.
0: Well, what's interesting is what's with the cop killing? Because when you look at Nicholas Hardy, why did he shoot Sergeant Rocky Hunt? And his friend said that a couple months before the shooting, he said that if he was going to be arrested by a cop, that he would shoot him because of what happened in the Rodney King situation. And that was the reason that they were giving that the murder was premeditated, was that he had said that before, if he was going to be taken down, he was going to shoot the cop remember what happened with Rodney King, you're too young, but there was video of him being severely beaten by four white cops, and they were all acquitted. So after the officers were acquitted, there was a huge riot, and nine people were killed. I want you to hear what Bryant Gumbel said about it on the Today Show. The
1: violence erupted after the acquittal of four white policemen in the beating trial of black motorist Rodney King. There's been looting, buildings have been set ablaze, and some motorists have been dragged from their cars and beaten. Reginald so far, Denny. nine people are reported dead. Scores of others have been injured. And Governor Pete Wilson has declared a state of emergency oh, today, Thursday, Terrible. April the 30th, no- 1992. I remember learning about the riots as a part of U.S. history yes. growing
0: up. Well, we watched it live. That was back when they finally had helicopters up to report news. You know, it really became a big thing. And so it was happening live. You were seeing Reginald Denny being hit in the head with a brick by people. It was horrific. You could, I can't even watch it today, what they did to that guy. They pulled him out of his truck and just beat him. Even Katie Couric said she couldn't look at that video while it was playing on the Today Show. But listen to what they called her back in 1993. From NBC News, this is Today with Brian Gumbel and Katherine Couric. It was back when Katie Couric was Katherine Couric.
1: <laughs> oh, wow. Way back when. But That apparently made an impression on young Nicholas Hardy. What exactly happened?
0: Sergeant James Rocky Hunt was 41 when he died on February 25, 1993. He was responding to a silent bank alarm in the Lantana area. And what happened after that was not really planned, but it was cold-blooded.
1: It was cold. In the first trial, they convicted him of first-degree murder and said it was premeditated.
0: But what became the stumbling point was he was first sentenced to death, and then that was overturned in 1998 because Barry Krischer had argued that it was premeditated because of the Rodney King comment, but they found that it wasn't premeditated, so he got life in prison.
1: From what the boys who were there said, it seems like Nick just panicked and shot this cop in cold blood.
0: Exactly. We'll establish that so with respect to the coldness the record establishes that on the night of the murder hardy and his three companions were driving around until their car broke down and at that time they all four exited and hardy had with him a 38 caliber gun that he had stolen from another guy's residence his name was joseph yabera and he attempted to give the gun to one of the other kids and they refused to take it so he had it on him and shortly after that they were stopped by sergeant hunt who was responding to the silent alarm Remember Barnett Bank? No, I don't. Oh, you're too young. (laughs) There used to be Barnett Bank in Florida. I think it became Bank of America. But anyway, he had responded to that. It was about 11 p.m. There was a silent alarm. And he saw these kids running across the road. They were stopped by Sergeant Hunt. Well, Glenn Wilson, one of Hardy's three companions, said that Hardy was paranoid and flinching. And he knew that the officer would find the gun on him. It appears that he made a spur-of-the-moment decision to shoot the officer and immediately following the shooting he attempted to take his own life and that was another mitigating factor because why would he try to kill himself if he premeditated in killing the officer yes it's like a knee-jerk reaction kind of thing so suicide is not an action characteristic of someone who's reflected on his decision to kill somebody else
1: I mean either way he's a cop killer no matter how you put it but I do agree with how the courts went about it each time. In the first case, I believe that the prosecution proved beyond a reasonable doubt that Hardy killed Sergeant Rocky Hunt, and in the second case where they commuted his sentence, they proved that it wasn't necessarily premeditated.
0: The trial court relied primarily on his prior statement, and it was a very general statement made several weeks before the murder in reference to what Hardy would do if he were involved in a situation similar to that of Rodney King. Who was beaten by police officers and the court said we can't construe this as sufficient evidence of a cold calculated and premeditated plan regarding what Hardy would do if he were confronted by an officer under the circumstances in this case.
1: Another thing that blows my mind is I don't understand what the Rodney King case in a whole other state has to do with a cop in West Palm Beach a friend said that Hardy was planning this and it could be any cop and he was just trying to stick it to the man, as you would say, but I don't get how
0: those two relate. Yeah, it's a totally different city, and race isn't involved in this.
1: It's kind of like John Hinckley Jr. when he attempted to assassinate Ronald Reagan to impress Jodie Foster. How do they relate?
0: They don't. Yeah, you're right. One has nothing to do with the other. So apparently Hardy evidently was scared and shot Rocky in the head twice, in the forehead, right in the middle of the forehead, so he wouldn't be arrested for carrying the firearm. So Hardy shot Hunt twice with the stolen 38 caliber handgun without saying a word. And then he bent down over the dying deputy and he took his 9mm semi-automatic and ran. And then he buried the 38, which was stolen, and he took the 9mm semi-automatic, went into the bushes, stuck the gun in his mouth and shot himself.
1: Well, yeah, he probably came to the realization, oh, what about these three witnesses right here?
0: Yeah, his friends were going, what the hell, dude? So before Sergeant Hunt went over to frisk the boys, he had radioed in that it was a false alarm, but that he was going to check out these four kids that were on the scene.
1: For suspicious activity, Right. So they
0: knew that, and he asked for someone to come as backup. And so another officer did show up. And when he arrived, he found Sergeant Hunt shot and reported an officer was down. And the boys were like, well, the suspect ran. And that's when they put aviation up. They had canines. And they searched the area. And the dogs finally find Nicholas Hardy with a gunshot wound, self-inflicted, a suicide attempt. And so they've airlifted Sergeant Hunt to Delray Medical Center. And then they find Hardy and they airlift him, too.
1: That's just insane. I don't know how those doctors must have felt. But to be fair, it's hard with trauma happening that quick to take him to two different hospitals. Yes. And
0: to their chagrin, they were able to save Nicholas Hardy. But Sergeant Rocky Hunt died.
1: His injuries delayed his trial for more than two years, right?
0: Two and a half years before he went to trial. So first when they brought him in, he was in a coma. And then it took at least two years for him to rehabilitate and to learn to talk and walk. But believe it or not, he's able to talk and walk. And they even brought him into court one time and he made this hand gesture. We all in the media thought he was either flipping us off or making a devil symbol and that he was aware that, you know, he was still after the man. And so we're like, how could he not know what's going on? He's competent because he's making this hand symbol. And Hardy consistently told doctors that he couldn't recall what happened that February night in 1993. But March 17, 1995, in a statement by Timothy John Lintz, a cellmate of Hardy at the Palm Beach County Jail, he says that Hardy's memory may have been a little bit better than doctors said. Documents released by prosecutors say that Lintz said that Hardy bragged to him about being a gang member, that he and some boys were going by a Lantana area bank when the alarm sounded. Nicholas eventually evidently said he got scared and shot Rocky Hunt in the head so he wouldn't be arrested for carrying the firearm. And then Lintz said that Hardy described the shooting in detail, noting that Hunt was searching him when he pulled the 38 caliber handgun, pushed Rocky Hunt back, and shot him in the middle of the forehead. This is according to his cellmate.
1: I mean, as I said before, I think it was a pretty open and shut case. There's no doubt in my mind that Nicholas did it.
0: Well, in December 1993, Hardy was found incompetent to stand trial because of his severe brain damage. But after spending more than a year in a special program for mentally deficient defendants, he was declared competent in 1995. So during closing arguments, the defense attorney, Dean Wilbur, maintained that a West Palm Beach man killed Hunt and then shot Hardy to silence him. But Wilbur argued that the sheriff's deputies investigating the slain were no longer objective because one of their own had been killed. And they quickly bought the story by Hardy's friends that Hardy was the killer. So you've got three boys who are telling you it's the kid that's almost dead who killed the deputy. And so detectives shut down their investigation, according to the defense. But he argued the physical evidence indicated that Keith Hyde, a 20-year-old, was telling the truth when he bragged about running up alongside of Hunt and shooting him as the deputy searched Hardy and his three friends. And those friends turned on Hardy because they had seen Hyde shoot Hardy because he was going to squeal. This was the whole thing the defense came up with.
1: I don't buy it that they just believed the boys and didn't collect any type of evidence
0: at the scene. But the state attorney, Barry Krischer, who prosecuted the case, he maintained Hardy is a cop killer and that he had told a friend he would kill a police officer if confronted because he was angry about the Rodney King beating. As we have established, he didn't care who the cop was. It would just be the first one who would challenge him, according to Barry Krischer, the prosecutor. And to buy the defense theory that Hyde was the killer was to believe that there was a phantom murderer who killed Rocky Hunt and then shot Hardy in the mouth. And that's what Krischer told the jury, and the jury believed the prosecution.
1: I mean, I think the most controversial thing about the case isn't necessarily if he did it or not, but more so if it was premeditated, correct?
0: That's right. So whether or not he should have the death penalty, because the cop killers, that's this Markeith Lloyd who allegedly shot a cop in Orlando, they're going for the death penalty there. And you remember, the state prosecutor in that case said she would not seek the death penalty, and Governor Rick Scott at the time replaced her with a prosecutor who would seek the death penalty. Mm. So this state is definitely pro-death penalty. Yeah, pro-death penalty. So when this was appealed, the death sentence was appealed, and then it was changed to life in prison. What they determined was that the trial court identified Hardy's age of 18 at the time of the murder as a statutory mitigating factor. Additionally, the trial court gave at least some weight to the non-statutory mitigators of Hardy's physically and emotionally abusive childhood. They always go there and Hardy's attempt to punish himself with a self-inflicted gunshot wound to the head. The trial court gave considerable weight to the non-statutory mitigators that Hardy now behaves well and would have no problem adapting to the prison setting. The trial court also gave considerable weight to the mitigating factor that Hardy was severely brain damaged. Neurological experts had examined Hardy, concluded that the brain damage destroyed the qualities that made Hardy human, so that Hardy was no longer the same person who killed Sergeant Hunt. So based on the single applicable aggravator and the considerable mitigation of the case, they found that death was disproportionate, and that's when they changed their mind
1: just because the Rodney King thing is a far leap. I believe he was showboating to friends, saying, oh, the next cop, this, this, and this, but in the situation, I think he panicked. I'm not saying it's right, he's still a cop killer no matter how you cut it, but I don't think he was smart enough to plan it.
0: No, I mean, look at all the factors. You've got the alarm that goes off, they happen to be in the area, their car broke down. So let's start in order, their car breaks down, They happen to be by the Barnett Bank when an alarm goes off. Maybe they were screwing around with the ATM. And Hardy's got a gun from a previous robbery on him. So he's armed. First of all, what's this 18-year-old doing with a gun?
1: I mean, he was bragging about being in a gang. He clearly
0: wasn't a good kid. He could have made the decision to do the right thing and not have the gun on him.
1: It's definitely a tragic case that lingers over all of Palm Beach County.
0: Amen. It still leaves an indelible memory in my mind because I covered it. Seeing the body being brought out from the back of Delray Beach Medical Center, it was covered with the coroner's red velvet blanket, and then they loaded him into the back of the coroner's van with the gold crests on the windows. It was just chilling. I bet. And while that's happening, they're wheeling Nicholas Hardy in the front entrance of the ER. So one's going in and the other's coming out, dead. Gut-wrenching. Very upsetting for me, having covered it. And as a matter of fact, we're covering another... Cop killer who just got the death penalty. The jury voted unanimously yesterday to kill this 20 year U.S. Marine veteran because he killed two cops. It's the jury in Osceola County in Kissimmee. Kissimmee. Uh, Near
1: Orlando, right? Exactly.
0: And yesterday, the 12 member jury deliberated for about five and a half hours at the Osceola County Courthouse before deciding unanimously that the Marine Corps veteran. Everett Miller should be sentenced to death for fatally shooting 36-year-old Sergeant Richard Sam Howard and 26-year-old Officer Matthew Baxter about two years ago.
1: I'm surprised they gave him the death penalty because he is a veteran.
0: Well, that's what they said. That was a mitigating factor. And even the prosecutor was surprised at that. But the defense attorney said this guy, he suffered from PTSD and depression. He had lost his job. His girlfriend had just left him. And... The prosecutors argued that he had this anti-law enforcement mentality. Yeah. He was manic and he was paranoid of law enforcement. He saw two officers in a uniform and just killed him, shot him. I mean, does this remind you at all of Nicholas Hardy, who said before he killed the officer, Rocky Hunt, that after the Rodney King situation, that if he was ever going to be taken into custody, he'd kill a cop?
1: In some ways, yes. Both cases have that anti-law enforcement factor.
0: But one of them is a decorated war veteran with mental issues, and Nicholas Hardy is just a dumb kid who panicked.
1: But one was premeditated and one wasn't, correct? Or were either really premeditated?
0: It's hard to say if, you know, he didn't take his medication and he Snapped. was snap and paranoid. It's very interesting. And the lack of premeditation was the mitigating factor that caused them to commute Nicholas Hardy's sentence to life. So the defense attorney, uh, Roseanne Eckert, told jurors that Miller would die in prison for killing Baxter and Howard regardless of their vote. So either way, he was going to die by natural causes or at the hands of the state. And they picked the hands of the state. And she said, I'm going to ask you to consider how Master Sergeant Miller, the proud decorated Marine, turned into this broken, barefooted, mentally ill man. She said there's nothing wrong with considering mercy and redemption and in the months before the killings, he lost his job at a packaging company, became homeless and broke up with his girlfriend.
1: I know there are a lot of programs for PTSD and veterans. Did he try to seek help before this happened?
0: Yes, exactly, because during closing arguments, the assistant state attorney, Ryan Williams, said the Marine Corps veteran was angry about the course of his life, had adopted extremist anti-government beliefs, which led to him blaming law enforcement officers, sort of like Nicholas Hardy, was blaming officers for what happened in the Rodney King case. But the prosecution did say that Miller had family members who cared about him during that period of time and that he did receive treatment from the VA because he is a veteran. He would have gotten treatment from the Mm -hmm. VA, but he missed appointments and refused to take his medication, which we've seen in... other other, cases where they just stop taking their medication
1: it's a very hard thing because how do you know if a grown adult is taking their medication And in the state of Florida with the whole Baker acting and certain privacy laws
0: how can we really help someone else? HIPAA yeah so it's eighty percent of schizophrenics and manic depressives they stop taking their meds because they think they're okay it's really really common and we had Austin Harif too once on medication he seemed fine that should be a mitigating factor I would think
1: I mean, I'm pro-death penalty, but I definitely think it's a case-by-case thing. In this one, I don't think he deserves the death penalty.
0: I think you're right. Miller is 4080s African American, so there's a difference there between Nicholas Hardy and him. But the killings happened on September 11th, 2017. He picked September 11th.
1: For 911.
0: Yeah. What's interesting is that the terrorist picked 9-11 because it means 9 one is what we call here in a case of an emergency, so that we would always remember the day. And Nicholas Cruz
1: picked Valentine's Day for the Parkland massacre.
0: So maybe Miller did pick 9-11 to memorialize his killings.
1: Well, it's a very sad case with very sad results.
0: Williams was surprised that the jury found no mitigating factors were proven because during closing arguments, he conceded that Miller had a successful career in the Marine Corps.
1: It's a very shocking verdict. Speaking of verdicts, you know, the Austin Hariff case got delayed.
0: Oh, so when is that going to be? It was supposed to be November It's going to be 6th. in the spring. Okay. They so moved, it's been moved. It. Thank you for bringing that update. We'll keep you updated on the alleged face-biting murderer. So now, Lexi, we're going to close full rigor with the biggest mystery— in the state of Florida. The mystery is the construction of Coral Castle. It remains one of Florida's greatest unsolved mysteries and theories abound regarding its creation and many find it hard to explain. This guy, 100 pounds, he's just over five feet tall and he was able to move, carve, and manipulate more than 1100 tons of coral or it's really limestone. He constructed all by himself a castle in the south part of Miami.
1: And he spent his whole life creating it, right? He finished and then he died.
0: So this is so strange. They didn't have iPhones back then. Otherwise, we'd have video. Pixar didn't happen. But it's still there. It's still there. I know. I was looking it up. I might have to go check it out. You have to. It's really cool. So in the early 1900s, Latvia native Ed Skalnen was set to marry the love of his life, Agnes. And she was 16 years old. That's kind of young. Yikes. He's 10 years older than she, and then she called it off right before the wedding. I mean, literally, the day before the wedding, she calls it off, kind of like Julia Roberts did to Kiefer Sutherland.
1: Wait, that happened in real life? I saw her in the movie The Runaway Bride, but I didn't know.
0: Yeah, it happened in real life. And then she went down the aisle with Lyle Lovett barefoot. Well, I love Julia Roberts. Yeah, but then she stole Danny Motor away from his wife. She's a homewrecker.
1: Tugs (laughs) at my heartstrings, man.
0: Well, this other woman stayed in Latvia. So he spent the rest of his life building this monument to their love.
1: And then he died of a broken heart when he finished. I know. Aww. In
0: 1923, we're going to call him by his first name, Ed, because I can't say his last name. He began creating Coral Castle. It's called Rock Gate Park at this time, and you can go visit it. On a patch of land that he purchased in Florida City. So that's in the southern part of the peninsula of Florida. There were no modern construction tools, no conveniences, and he was equipped only with hand tools. And get this, a fourth grade education. Oh, man. <laughs> knot times knot does not carry the knot. I wonder if that's why the girlfriend dumped him, because he was special. And the heartbroken immigrant spent 28 years constructing the castle. He eventually finished it in 1951, the year of his death. And then he oh, died. He died of a
1: broken heart.
0: Or, or a broken back. <laughs> True. <laughs> So Ed claimed that he understood the laws of weight and leverage well. He always worked under the cover of night when nobody could see him. However, too bad they didn't have cell phones, but two teens happened to witness the construction one night. They told police the rocks had been levitating in midair like hydrogen balloons. These kids were probably like, I didn't know rocks could float. (laughs) That is so weird. It's like, you know, in the movies, they have prop rock. They're made out of styrofoam. Really, <laughs> I
1: never knew what the light material was. I love the effects, though, in all the Harry yeah. Potter's. Even in the early 2000s, it's really just amazing. It's all
0: fake, but these are real. This is so weird. And remember, Ernest Hemingway, he had a pool that was the first pool ever dug in the Florida Keys in Key West because his home there, where he has the six-toed cats. My sister's been there. Yeah, it's so I've been. It's so cool, and his typewriters there and everything, but. They had to dig it into the limestone, and it was really expensive. Apparently, his second wife found out about he was having an affair while he was a war correspondent with his third wife, to be. Well, writers live a messy life. And so she took his boxing ring and turned it into a pool. It cost $20,000 back then in 1934. She got a bunch of Cubans to come dig it (laughs) into the limestone. It cost, he comes home, he goes, $20,000 to dig this pool. He throws a penny at her, he goes, Pauline, you've spent my last penny, so you might as well have that, exclamation point. And to this day, the penny is embedded in the concrete at the head of the pool.
1: Oh, the drama.
0: The drama, it's awesome. That was in 1938, 20 grand in 1938, that's a lot of money. So I guess love makes you do a lot of weird things. Can't argue with that. But commonly called coral the rock that Ed used to create his coral devotional, is actually limestone and it's found throughout southeastern Florida and back then when he was alive he charged either 10 or 25 cents for visitors to the park I think you have to pay a little bit more now you can still visit Coral Castle today it's located in the remote region of Homestead Florida that's where Andrew it it stood so it's truly worth your trip you're going to see Polaris telescope rocking chairs two-story castle that was his living quarters actual sundial and obelisk a well, a fountain, various furniture pieces, all made from this stone. And then you'll find the nine-ton gate that moves with a simple touch. When that massive gate broke a few years back, it took six men and a crane to fix it. So imagine how this little 100-pound guy that's five feet tall built this nine-ton gate in the first place, and then you just touch it with a finger. Like he perpetual motion. must have been a motion. magician,
1: the whole levitating thing. Something's Who knows? going
0: on. Mind-blown, man. In fact... Even Category 5 Hurricane Andrew couldn't move the various coral pieces. Talk about everlasting love.
1: Wow, well, on his part, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if she ever came and saw it. wonder if he at least sent her a postcard.
0: Like, look what <laughs> look I did. Look what I did for you. <laughs> you bitch. <laughs> and that wraps up Full Rigor. <laughs> Thanks, Lexi. Thanks for having me. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music,